you know, we've been talking the last couple weeks about walking with Jesus. Well, if you're going to walk with Jesus, you're going to understand that according to God's word, to be a disciple of Christ is to be sent out. Today's message is all about being sent out to make an impact, to, to bring people to Christ. And so how do we do that? That's what I want to unpack today. And so we're looking at scriptures in Mark chapter 6. I'm excited about this message. As you turn in your Bible apps uh, to Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 7, while you turn around, I want to tell you a quick story. When I was, uh, years ago, I was in Nashville uh, with my best friend, Jessica and I have had these best friends forever, and uh, we've known them for a long time. And uh, we had Mason at the time. He was literally two or three years old. I forget the exact age. It's okay, ladies, because men never remember that anyways, okay? He was about that tall. That's what I do remember, okay? And so anyways, Mason was little. He was the only one we had at the time. And uh, we went to visit our friends. They were in the music business and in, in the music industry in Nashville. So he took me down to this area called Music Row. It's really cool. I've never been there. And we kind of checked that whole thing out. And there's all these major publishers along there. And then we ended up at a music store that's like a really well-known music store in Nashville. And uh, it's one of these places that's massive. And so we're walking around and they had old records there, which you never see those anymore. They had CDs back. This is forever ago. So some of the young people below 30 are like, what's a CD? I've never heard of this. Anyways, so I'm walking around, checking all the music store out. As I'm looking around, I've got Mason with me. So we wanted to give, I wanted to give my life a break. And so I had him with me. And, uh, and, and so I had him, I set him down for a second. He's right beside me. He's playing with something. And uh, I'm looking at something and I turn back and all of a sudden he's gone. You ever been there? I mean, like, so fast. Mason is so ADD. I don't know where he got that from. <laughs> anyway, so I could not find him. It was crazy. And like 30 seconds had gone by, which feels like about seven or eight minutes. You know what I mean? If you can't find your kid for a second, I was freaking out, right? So I was like, Mason? Mason? So I went over the next aisle. And so my friend Jay walks up. He's like, where's Mason? I said, I don't know. You know where he is? And so he said, I'll go to the front of the store. So he knew. Well, let me go to the front of the store, make sure no one leaves with him, right? So now at this point, I no longer care what anyone thinks. You ever been there? Like you can't find your kids long enough. It's been a couple of minutes. That is way too long. So now I'm just screaming Mason's name. I don't care who knows. I'm like, Mason, Mason, where are you? Mason, where are you? And I'm just yelling as loud as I can. Eventually, some employees come up to me and they're like, sir, can we help you? I was like, my son, I don't know where my son is. He's about this tall. He's got a little face, looks like this. And so just help me find him. So I'm looking everywhere for him, right? I'm like, Mason, where is he, right? I'm yelling his name everywhere. I have no, no idea where he is. I'm freaking out. Can you imagine in that moment, if one of the employees were to come to me and say, hey, I know you can't find your kid, but you know what? We got this great sale on albums over here. I'd be like, I don't really care. Right? It doesn't matter. They could be like, oh, no, you're in Nashville. There's a really unique amount of instruments over here. In fact, several professional uh, players used to have these. They, they sold them to us. You could, you could have a vintage instrument. I would be like, I don't care. I, I, don't, I don't. Quit trying to sell me. I don't care. All I care about right now is where my lost kid is. And the reason I want to bring this up, because I wonder if sometimes when I talk about evangelism, when, when, when people in church talk about reaching people for Christ, some people say, yeah, that's cool, but I'm really into worship. I'm really into discipleship. I really just want to be close to the Father's heart. Let me let you know something. When the Father has a lost kid, that's all he cares about. If you want to know the Father's heart, if he has a lost child, that's all he's thinking about. God wants us to reach his lost children. A number of years later, we now had three kids, right? And so Mason's a little older now. Cole's a little guy. And Sophie's really, really little. And we're at Disney World. We're hanging out there, and all three of the kids migrated off somewhere together real quick without us realizing it, and now we couldn't find the kids. Just for a few moments, it was like two or three hours at the best. Anyway, so, 
Just kidding. It was only a moment. It was a busy place, you know, but, you know, we, we tried to keep up with them, but they, they had all wandered off somewhere. I think we were in a Disney store or something. I don't know where we were. And so I remember we couldn't find them, right? And so I remember we found one, then we found two. You know, can you imagine if my wife at that point would have said, you know, honey, we got the two good kids. Let's not worry about quantity today. <laughs> But there are people who, when I talk about evangelism and reaching out, they say, I want to go to a church that's about quality and not quantity. Which one of God's children is not quality to him? Who said that you have to either choose discipleship or evangelism? Because to be a real disciple is to be sent out. So you are a really pathetic disciple if you're not doing evangelism also. We're called to do evangelism and discipleship. If I get on a plane, I prefer my plane to have two wings. Right? In our faith, it's supposed to be about discipleship and evangelism or you're not going to get off the ground. If you want to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, then you are called to be sent out into this world and to reach people for Jesus because he still has lost children out there and he will not rest until all his children are reached. And neither should we. We are sent out. In fact, Jesus literally sends his disciples out right here in Mark chapter 6. Check out the scripture. He says, and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. We're just going to basically break down the next three or four verses of Mark chapter 6. And so in exactly what he did and why he did it. So he sent them out two by two. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? Number one, you are being sent out today. And also ask a buddy to hold you accountable. You know what? You do a better job of, of, of uh, whatever it is you do with accountability. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If someone is doing it with you, you're probably better at it. I mean, honestly, if you want me to study, let me have a study buddy. If I can have someone I'm going to meet at the library and say, this is how you used to study in the library all the time, I would have a study buddy. I eventually married that study buddy, by the way. And so that was also part of it. But, but I will tell you this, that helped. But having a study buddy is a game changer. It, it really, think about anything you do. If you're working alone in an office, it's really hard to be productive. But if you've got someone that's working in the office, if you have coworkers, it makes you show up on time. It makes you not take too long of a lunch. Why? Because you know, well, man, people are going to see me taking all this time off. I've got to make sure I'm here. And so there's accountability. If you go to the gym alone, you're not nearly as productive as you have a buddy with you, right? In the same way, Jesus sent us out two by two. Why? Because you're accountable. Here's my challenge for you this week. I want to challenge you because it's Easter this weekend. Easter's this weekend. Think about that. First of all, how did it get here so fast? I thought we just had Christmas Eve. This is crazy. Time is flying, is it not? It's Easter this next weekend. Easter is the Super Bowl of the Christian church. It's the biggest event we do. And so I want to challenge you to invite someone to church. I'm sending you out this week to invite someone and to bring them back to church with you. But here's how I know you're going to do it. Because I want to ask God right now in this moment, whether you're watching online, whether you're one of our campuses, I'm going to ask God to put someone on your heart right now. Holy Spirit, please do your job. This is the part that you take over this sermon. It's not me, Lord, because I don't know their names or their friends and their family, but you do, Lord. So please put on the name of someone, someone's heart right now, put the name of a friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor. Lord, I pray that you would put the name on someone's heart right now of who they're to reach. Right in this moment, Holy Spirit, would you do that? Someone they work out with, someone they go to school with, someone they do Little League with, someone they do life with, maybe a family member that, that just needs to come back to God's house. Please, Lord, put the name of someone on our hearts right now. And as God does that, because he sent us out two by two, turn to one of your neighbors that you're sitting next to right now and tell them the name. We're going to be accountable for it. Go ahead and just share the name of someone that you know you're supposed to invite to church next week. Would you do go, ahead, go ahead right now. Take a moment. You can do this. I just gave you permission to talk in church right now. Go ahead. Just share the name of someone. Did everyone share a name? Raise your hand if you shared a name. 
Raise your hand if you shared a name with your neighbor. Raise your hand if you shared a name. All the rest of you are going to hell. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But we don't want the friend that you're supposed to invite to go to hell. So would you hold your hand up high? If God gave you the name of someone. Okay, good. So people sometimes ask me, why are you so passionate about evangelism? Because we believe the Bible is true. And the Bible said there's a heaven and there's a hell. And we're going to spend eternity in one or the other. And so in the difference between where you go is whether you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And if that truth is real, and we believe it is, then why would we not want to invite someone to a church that's all about reaching people and telling them about Jesus? You may say, I don't have the right words. I'm not good with this. You don't have to have good, complicated words. In fact, let me teach you an incredibly deep theological line you can use on your friends this week. You ready? Check it out. Try this with me. We've done it before, but I want you to try it. Turn to the person next to you right now and say, hey. Go ahead and do it. Say, hey. Want to come to church with me? I know it's a lot to remember. I know. It's going to be hard to memorize that. I know that's really heavy theology. Let's try it right now. Turn to the first section. You say, hey. Here's the second line. It's a toughie. You want to go to church with me? Did you get it? Now, some of you say, but, but I've done that, Pastor. And they said no. Okay, we're going to practice what to do. They say no. Turn to the other side and say, hey, do you want to go to church with me? I know this is heavy stuff. I know it's a lot to take in. You may want to write that, and they're like, hey, do you want to go? We overcomplicate this when it's not that hard. It's a simple invite. We know how to do evangelism because you already do it. Ladies, you do evangelism amazing. When you find that store that has something on sale, you call it, girl, you better get down here right now. I'm telling you right now. Don't you tell me you don't know how to do evangelism. Come on, guys. You get that amazing burger. You finally find that perfect burger. You talk, dude, you got to go try this new place. I mean, the burger's amazing. You do evangelism all the time. You blow everyone up when your team wins in the NCAA tournament, right? You're like, oh, yeah, let's go for whoever you're cheering for. I mean, we do, you know what they call it in the business world? They actually call it product evangelism. In other words, I hate to break it to you, McDonald's is better at selling burgers than we are of sharing the gospel. So let's get the word out. If they can distribute Coca-Cola around the world, then we should be able to distribute the greatest gift of all time that Jesus died on the cross. That's our job. So let's make an impact. Let's make a difference. In fact, right now, here's something cool you can do. Pull out your phone real quick. This is kind of cool. If you're one of our campuses, pull out your phone. Even those of you are online, you can do this too. Uh, right now, I want to encourage you, get your phone out, and there's a QR code in front of you, in front of the seat you're, you're in right now, that says invite. Click on that right now. When you do that, it will populate a text message of an invite, and all you do is add a name. How cool is that? You can do that right now. Just, just go ahead and just, you know, on the screens right now we have it. You can just click on that. Go, I'll give it a second. Do that. It's going to populate an invite. And if you want to make it more personal, you can add a line or two. That's fine. And simply invite a friend right now to church this next weekend, this Easter. How cool is that? We're going to keep it up for just a moment longer. When to give you a chance to get that, it just populates a simple invite. If you're watching online right now, there is actually just, just instead of clicking on it, because it'll take you to the invite, right now what you want to do is copy it and paste it somewhere. So you have that, and you can invite someone right now. I want to encourage you to do that. Invite someone right now to Easter. You can do this. We have a QR code. We've made it simple for you to invite someone. You know something else that we're doing I think is really cool? Is these little Easter eggs. This is a really cool thing. We, we actually gave out so many last week. We gave out over 10,000 last week. We made another 9,000 to give out this weekend. What is this? This is egging our city. Now, don't please literally use an egg. My daughter's like, I'll totally do that. And I was like, no, you're not egging a house. You know what this actually means? This is egg stands for everyone giving generously. 
So if you go out to eat this afternoon after church, I want to encourage you to take one of these cards with you. When you leave a tip, and I'm assuming you are going to leave a tip, don't be cheap. Leave a tip, don't say, well, instead of giving a tip, I'm going to give them this. Don't you dare do that. That's so cheap. Don't you be cheap in the name of Jesus. That is not good. Leave a tip. Can I help you with a tip? 25% or more is generous. In fact, I'd encourage you, if you're going to do this, do 50%. You say, that's a lot. Exactly, that's the point. You do know that waiters and waitresses live on that, right? That's their income. Don't be cheap. First of all, don't be cheap anyways. If you can't afford a good tip, don't go out to eat. You see what I'm saying? We're Christians, right? We should be known for being generous. So leave a really good tip and then add the egg card. Say, just want to give this to you. Or maybe you're going to go to Starbucks this week sometime. Pay for the person behind you in line and just give them the card. Just say, just give them now. I want to pay for theirs. And so we're just going to give generously to people. Think about that. That means in the last two weeks, this weekend, the last weekend, we've given out 22,000 cards. That means potentially we will have 22,000 acts of kindness happening all across our communities because of Church Unlimited. Isn't that cool? Just simple. If you're mowing your lawn this week, just keep on going and mow the neighbor's lawn. Just keep on going and say, well, I'll just mow it. I won't edge it. No, 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 no. Do like you would do yours. Edge it too. Make it nice. Pick up the clippings. Don't just blow them into the street. Don't you dare do that. Pick up the clippings. Make it nice. And then just leave a card on the door that says, just want to do something nice for you. If you don't have a place to go for Easter, I'd love for you to join me. If not, it's okay. Just want to be a blessing. And just bless them. You know, if you're going to make, like maybe for Easter, you're making some kind of dessert or cookies or something like that with your kids, why don't you make an extra batch and give them to your neighbors and give them one of the cards? Just do something generous. Just be a blessing to someone. And so God wants to utilize you to make an impact. So Jesus sends them out two by two, but then there's something else he does. He says this, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. Another translation says authority over demons. Now you may say, whoa, so am I going to face a demon just by going out and telling someone about my church or about Christ? No, not necessarily. It's, it's not something you typically see, but you got to understand there is a spiritual battle going on. What's Jesus actually saying? He's saying, don't be intimidated. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You say, oh, I'm really nervous about bringing this up. Guys, you should never be nervous when the truth is on your side. And so you have the truth on your side. You know, this is the reason why dictators across the world always want to control the media because they want to control the lies that they're telling because truth is their greatest enemy. And so listen, you don't need to be intimidated when you go tell people about your faith in Christ because the truth is on your side. Christ really did rise again from the grave. He really did it. The truth is on your side. Jesus actually said this. He says in Matthew 28, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. He says, look, you got the authority on your side. So go and make disciples. Tell people about me. Now, this is important when I talk about truth, though. You don't need to be intimidated about your faith, but this is important, too. Philippians 1 says this. Be sure that you live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. So God is expecting us to live differently. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you right now, you're like, oh, I'm all about discipleship, and I want to be a witness. Or maybe you're all about being a witness, but you're not been into discipleship. Here's why this is a big deal. Because you can be super into being a witness and wonder why this isn't, why this isn't being effective. It's because your life is supposed to look different. Does your life look different than other people? Do you sound the same? Do you look the same? Do you talk the same? Do you do the same things as the world? There's, if there's no difference, then people are going to be like, why do, I want to, why do I want your faith? You're doing the same crap I'm doing. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It means we're different. In fact, Scripture goes on to say this in Ephesians 4. It says, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. So you may be called to be a witness. That's great. But are you different? Is there anything different about you, about what you're about, about what you watch, about what you post, about what you say, about where you go? If there's not anything different, then we're losing, the Bible says to be salt and light, we're losing our saltiness. We're not different. We're supposed to be different, not perfect, 
but different. Let me give you an example of someone who's different, but they're not perfect. You know, I'm a big fan of Kanye West. I love his music, first of all. And uh, I mean, I'm sure you just assume that because I'm so street, you know, but <laughs> middle-aged white guy. Anyways, but I like his music. But, but, you know, Kanye in the last few years has really come out openly about his faith. And he's really been changing tremendously. Now, I don't know him. I've never met him. I have several friends that know him very well. And they have told me, they said, when they've been with him on this ranch or hanging out, they said he is legit in his faith. He's very serious about it. But have you noticed lately, Kanye's got some problems. He's going through a divorce right now. You know, but he's still legit in his faith. So it doesn't mean your life's perfect and you have everything together. You can still be different. I happened to be, uh, about a year ago, I was flipping channels one night and on a late night talk show, Kanye was a guest. So I stopped. I was like, oh, I want to see what he says. Because this is when he got real vocal about his faith, about a year, year and a half ago. And as I'm watching it, he's being interviewed. And I think it was, I think it was Seth Meyer that was interviewing him. And uh, after the interview, he did a good job. After the interview, he scooted over in the couch and then they brought another person out to be interviewed. And the guy they brought after him was this guy who had just won $300 million in the lotto. So, so this African-American gentleman, he was head to toe Gucci. I mean, he was covered in him. And you're like, that guy clearly just won some money. And he was excited about it. He was, he was head to toe. And he, he came and sat down on the couch. And something that they didn't expect happened. Kanye, he, he turned and shook the hands of Kanye because obviously he was a fan too, like, like most of us. Shook his hand. And then Kanye said, hey, real quick, if you don't mind, could I give you a piece of advice? And the whole place went quiet. Seth Meyer was even surprised by it. And he just stopped and looked. And they're like, what's he going to say? And Kanye said to this guy, he said, hey, man, just want to tell you, he goes, first of all, congratulations on winning all that money. That's incredible. He goes, but let me tell you, he goes, please take this. I know you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but take it from a guy who's worth a billion. And he said this, he said, I mean this. He goes, you don't need to be wearing everything super fancy and buying all this crazy stuff. He said, you need to save your money. Trust me, you can still lose all that. And it was really great advice. But then Kanye he said, like, for example, I love your jacket. You look good, man. He goes, but look at what I'm wearing. He was wearing a hoodie, and it looked like it was from Walmart. I kid you not. And he said, look, I'm wearing this cheap blank hoodie, and he actually cussed. And everyone kind of laughed because he just talked about his faith, and he stopped and goes, oh, y'all, sorry, guys. God's still working on me. <laughs> but he didn't lose his witness because he was admitting, I'm not perfect. God's still, I'm not done. So he was different, but not perfect. So I think the devil uses this against us to think, oh, you can't be witness because your life isn't all together. Your life doesn't be all together, but are you trying? Are you striving? Are you trying to honor God? You're still going to have mess ups. You're still going to have mistakes. But you, how you handle those mistakes as a Christian should be different than others. So I want to encourage you in the world that's condemning everyone and canceling everyone, we need to be known that for people that forgive others and receive God's forgiveness. So I'm not perfect. I'm going to invite you to church, not because I'm so together and my life is so spiritual. I'm going to invite you to church because it's helping change my life. I think you can change yours too. Does that make sense? Don't be intimidated to share your faith. You don't have to be perfect. None of us are perfect. Now, look what it says next. He, he did something that, that kind of surprised me. Jesus said something I didn't expect him to say. So he says, go out two by two. And he goes, and just remember this, I give you authority. You have the authority over any demons or anything you face. You, you got the authority. Then he says this, he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. Okay, why, why would Jesus say that? I, I love to dig in. Whenever I don't know why something says something, there's almost always great truth to know there. And so, in fact, this is interesting. Keep in mind that when you see different disciples saying the same thing, but a little differently, some people, scholars, 
actually argue that's, that's a sign of authenticity, not a sign of, of, of a fakeness. Some people that are cri- critics of the Bible say, well, that's not exactly the way Matthew said it. Mark said it different than Luke. That's because if I were to leave here, if I were to have you take a quiz at the end of this message and say, what did Pastor Bill teach? You would all say something different, but it was still the same message. It actually authenticates that you all have your own experience and how you heard it. Does that make sense? But it's still be roughly the same. So look how Matthew heard what Jesus said versus Mark. So Mark heard it this way. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals, not to put on two tunics. Matthew heard it this way. Don't take any money in your, in your money belts, no gold, no silver, or even copper coins. Who's more specific? Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even, walk, or, or even a walking stick. So they heard something a little different, but it was still the basis, basically the same thing. Don't take stuff with you. Why? This is important. If you're going to be a good disciple... If you're going to be an effective evangelist, this is really important. Number three, stay lean. We get weighed down as Christians with a lot of stuff. But God actually says the best witness stays lean. And so I want to tell you something that is countercultural to our society. I mean this. God actually does not want us to have too much stuff. Because too much stuff weighs us down and takes our eyes off of Christ and puts it on the world. So I want to challenge you with this. And you say... Okay, Pastor, are you tell me I, I shouldn't be responsible financially, that I shouldn't you know, have a retirement? No, 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 I think you should have a retirement. I'm not suggesting that you're foolish and you have nothing and have to depend on other people. No, I'm not saying that, but you can still be lean and still be responsible. So I just want to challenge you with this, that the way Jesus looked at was very different than the way most of us look at. Have you noticed in the news lately this, this whole issue with the Suez Canal? Anybody seen that in the news? There's this huge cargo ship. If you don't know, you should check it out. Huge cargo ship that is stuck in the middle of the Suez Canal because a, a windstorm, a sandstorm actually, turned it too much and it got it lost control and got stuck because the Suez Canal is about 1,000 feet wide. The ship is 1,200 feet long, so it's now stuck. It's embanked on both sides and it's so weighed down that they can't move it. This one ship, they say, basically is the size and the weight of the Empire State Building. It's not easy to un- unstuck this, some, this ship, right? It's, it's stuck and it's... It's not really going anywhere. They're trying to figure out how to do it. And so I want to show you the cargo. Look at the cargo on this thing. They said that it's $1.6 billion worth of cargo not getting to parts of the world because of this one blockage. The Suez Canal is a shortcut to get to Europe, to get to America, other places. And so now they're having to go by way of Africa, which takes a lot longer. They're losing about $1.6 billion, excuse me, worth of product every week right now based upon this. They're just assuming that amount. In fact, here's what's happening. There's probably going to be European car companies that have to halt production because a lot of their parts are coming from other parts of the world. They're also saying that there's probably a lot of COVID product on these things that are not getting to us fast enough either. So it's really a big deal. I wonder if when we get to heaven one day, if God, when he talks to us about how we lived our lives how we honored him. I wonder if there's going to be something brought up that we didn't think about. I wonder if God's going to say, by the way, you know, my goal was to tell the whole world about Christ. And so I enriched you. And yet you held all that cargo for yourself. It weighed you down so much, it may have taken you off course. And then you became a blockage in the kingdom of God rather than a funnel to do God's work in the kingdom of God. Now, this is why I believe Jesus said this about rich people. And by the way, he said, well, I hope you're sticking to that rich guy or girl right now. Oh, I'm sorry. The Bible is written to the whole world. 
And according to the world standards, if you have two pairs of shoes, a change of clothes, and air conditioning, you are wealthy. So we forget that, don't we? Oh, yeah, people are studying the same Bible I'm studying in Ethiopia right now. When you think about rich people, quit pointing a finger at someone else. We're all rich if we live in a Western society. And so look what Jesus said. He said this. Boy, it got quiet in this part of the message, by the way. It's interesting. <laughs> I don't hear a lot of amens. Matthew chapter 19 says this. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. He said, I didn't just tell you the truth. He said this, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't believe that it just means salvation. I believe it means it, that, that a lot of rich people have a hard time making a difference in the kingdom of heaven because they get caught up in their own stuff. He says, I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, or I should say, it's easier for a cargo ship to go through the Suez Canal <laughs> than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I just want to challenge you with this. I, listen, again, take care of your family. I'm not saying don't do that. But once you've done that, could it be that maybe God's really not interested in you having three or four homes as much as he's interested in you sending people to his home? Could it be that maybe we don't really need more stuff? That at some point you can only vacation so much, you can only buy so much, you can, your TV can only get so big, you can only do so much. I mean, at some point you gotta say, do I, do I need that much stuff? We have such nice houses, we have houses for our cars. It's amazing what we have. And so you may say, Bill, this is, I mean, this is pretty hardcore. Guys, the gospel's hardcore. Heaven and hell is a hardcore issue. I did not move my family 23 years ago to this city to play church. I moved here because I was serious about getting people to heaven. That hasn't changed for me. So I want to challenge you to join us in making an impact. Let's give big. You know, as a large church, I believe that we're not called to be a big church so we can say, hey, look how big we are. We're called to be a big church so we can make a big difference, so we can have a big give, a big impact. We can change a lot of lives. What could God do if we would quit weighing ourselves down with more cargo and start passing it along and saying, God, use me to change lives? Right now, I've been praying about something my wife and I talked about a little bit. We've been praying about it, about what we're going to give. You know, about four or five weeks from now, we're having our annual offering. We, we tithe already, but we give above and beyond our tithe, and we like to do a big offering to God every year. And our annual offering is going to come in the next series. The whole next series is not about giving. Don't, please don't think that. But in the series called Because of You, at the end of it, we're going to have a, an annual offering. And I'm just going to be honest with you guys. You know, one of the things I do, I quit, I quit opening IRAs because I kept draining them and giving it all to God. And I, I realized it kept costing me 20% every time I did that. So I was like, I just won't open the IRA. That way I can just give it. When I want to give it all, I can just give it. And you may say, well, Pastor, that's not really that responsible. I actually think in light of heaven, it's very responsible. I actually think in light of the fact I'm not going to live forever on this side of eternity. I think it's actually the responsible thing. I just want to challenge you. I mean, I, I realize I'm saying, God, how much of a dent do you want me to make for the gospel out of my net worth? And it's going to be significant. I'm fine with that. We, we've given everything we've had before. I'm, I'm not saying it braggadocious. I don't mean it that way because I'm not the only one. To, there are people in our church that don't even work for the church that have given everything they have to God. And I believe that is a wonderful standard. The Bible says to be a living sacrifice. So I'm like, Lord, how much do you want? Do you want it all? Give it all? Do you want half? Do you want the third? What, what do you want? Of all that I've got saved up, do you just tell me the number? But I want it to be a significant dent of what I have so that I remember who actually has me. So I just want to challenge you to live differently, to give differently. 
because you're not giving to your church, you're giving through your church to change lives. Did you know right now we're planting churches in an area of the Middle East that I can't even tell you exactly where it is because if I did, someone could watch us online and go arrest the people planting those churches that we're supporting. Because what they're doing, when they share their gospel where they are, they can be killed for it. We're planting churches there. I'm just going to be honest with you, the average Christian in America is a wuss. For what other people do in other parts of the world for the gospel, I feel obligated by God. I feel called by God to give my life to this. We are not called to be fat cats. We're called to be sacrificial. So I'm asking you to join me in something I'm doing myself. We're called to make a difference. I don't want to be a fat cargo ship. Look how big I am when really I'm just in the way. I want to be a pass-through for God to flow things through me to change other lives. And you know what I discover when I do that? God always takes care of me in the process too. I, I don't live in lack. God has blessed my family. And I believe a big part of that is years ago when we moved to this town, we drained our entire savings. You think, whoa, that's bold. It was about $6,000 at the time. I mean, that's to make a big number to you, but boy, it was big to us as everything we had. And we gave it to God. I don't regret that. Honey, I don't regret it at all. We'd have much bigger savings. Sorry, kids, you're not going to have that much uh, from your parents one day. But I'm really thankful because we passed it on to the Lord, and I believe our kids will do the same. Don't make it about you. Make it about the kingdom. You want to you challenge? You want to really walk with God? I want a message that really challenges me. If this doesn't challenge you, I don't know what's going on. But if you're in tune with the Father's Spirit, there is no amount of money. If one of my kids was lost, there's no amount of money I wouldn't spend to get them back. There's no amount of money. Stay lean. Too much stuff takes away your dependence on God. Stay lean. Whew. The last thing that Jesus says to his disciples, to be honest with you, surprised me. It didn't make sense. It almost made me question the whole thing because I didn't understand this early on in giving my life to God's call. But it has really helped me, and I think this can help you too. If you're having a hard time staying in one church, you're having a hard time staying in the ministry, staying in the same small group, being involved in whatever it is God's called you to do, or even being on staff at a church, wherever you are, I don't know where you are, but this is the hardest part about giving yourself long-term to God. And I wish someone would have warned me this early on. I didn't know this. But Jesus warned his disciples what to do early on on this, and this will help someone today. He said this, and he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. That's important because these guys would go to new, new communities, new, new, new places, and someone, they'd win someone to Christ, and that person would say, oh, you know, thank you so much for bringing Jesus to me. Would you like to stay in my home? Even in the Middle East to this day, it's very common for people to open their home to people. And think about the kind of homes that these people have in the Middle East versus our homes. Isn't that funny? It's almost like the nicer your home, the more you're embarrassed to bring people to your home. But the less home you have oftentimes are the people who are the most generous with. Isn't that funny how it works that way? Because they know it's about people, it's not about stuff. But he says, when you go there, stay in one place. I think one of the reasons why God has blessed what we're doing here is not because I'm such a genius, because I'm not. I think maybe just staying in one place, just saying, I want to commit my life to this place, really makes a difference. Just think about that. You want to make a big impact in your company? Just stay in one company. You don't, don't move around. You want to have, have a big impact? You know what? Stay in, you want your family to, to thrive? Stay in one marriage. Stay in one job. Stay in one company. Stay in one community. Stay in one church for a long time. Don't always be looking for a better offer. Just stay. 
Then he says this, and if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that, that people should repent. What does it mean to shake off the dust? This is actually, we don't get this because we didn't live in the Jewish culture, but if you live in Israel in AD 30 when he was speaking these words, if you live there, you would know what this means, the dust. See, when a little boy had dust all over his garments, it's because he was following his rabbi around. Rabbi means teacher. And everywhere the rabbi would go, there'd be about 10 or 12 little boys that would follow him, and he was raising them up in the truth. And they, these little boys, by age 12, had memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. Think about the commitment of that. That's how committed they were to the word. And it was an honor for them to have their rabbi's dust on them. Isn't that cool? Jesus says, when you go and be my witness, if someone won't receive you, just knock the dust off and go on to the next home. What does that mean? It means this. Would you write this down? I promise you this is going to help someone today. If you're going to be in the kingdom of God work, if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to be an evangelist, if you're going to win people to Christ, you need to know this. Expect rejection. I did not know this, and it hurt me early on. Expect rejection, and then disassociate from it or you'll become timid, or worse, you'll become bitter. People will reject you for your faith, but they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the teacher of whose dust you have on you. Did you catch that? So don't let that stop you. It's part of it. You just can't worry about that. And what's your reward for doing this? Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, always work at it with all your heart, as though you're working for the Lord and not for people. Remember that the Lord will give you as a reward the inheritance he has for his people, for Christ is the real master that you serve. Fritz Kreisler was a world-famous violinist. He traveled the world doing these huge concerts. He made a lot of money in this day. This is about 100 years ago, but he kept giving his money away. He was a very generous person. He came through town, and like all musicians, he loved to go to music stores and find rare instruments and buy them. You know, guys that think guitars, they are always buying and selling guitars, right? So he went to this music store uh, after a concert, and uh, there was this very rare violin that was made, limited amount that were made. He was like, oh, are you kidding me? He knew the name of it. He was like, how much for that violin? The owner told him the price. He's like, oh, I don't have it, because he, again, given most of what he had away, he said, okay, I'll be back next year on tour. Can you hold it for me? The music owner said, I really can't do that. But honestly, at that price, I don't think he was going to buy it. So, all right, well, I'll have some money with me next year. I'm going to come back. He says, okay. He comes back through town touring again. This time he has some money. He goes to that store after the concert. The store owner, he says, you saw the violin? The store owner, this is a true story. The store owner said, I don't. I mean, literally not even a month ago, a collector came and bought it. Oh, you're kidding. Can you at least tell me the name of the guy who bought it? He told him the name. He did some research to find out, and the music community is not that large, figured out who the collector was. He went to the man's house. man had a huge mansion, knocked on the door. He says, hi, I'm Fritz Kreisler. The man was like, I, I know who you are. He says, why'd you come to my house? He says, did you buy this violin? Goes, yep, I have a collection of it. Would you like to see my collection? He goes, that'd be great, but I really, I want to buy the violin from you. And he said, it's not for sale. You, you know the worth of it. He goes, I do. He goes, can I at least see it? He goes, of course, come on. I'm honored to have you here. Please come in. He, he takes him to his back room, and on his back room, he's got all these violins and all these other very rare instruments that are all hanging on a wall. And he says to the man, he says, do, do you play? He says, no, I don't. He's like, oh, he's just realizing this violin will never be played. So he says to him, I know you won't sell me the violin. I understand. You have an amazing collection. Before I leave, 
Would you give me the honor before you consign that violin to silence? Would you give me the honor to play it one last time? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Things guys thinking private concert? You bet. So he goes and takes off the wall and gives it to him. He takes the violin and he begins to play it so beautifully. It overwhelms the owner. And the owner has tears on his face. He says, I can't do this. Mr. Kreisler says, what do you mean? He said, you're willing to sell it to me? He goes, no. No, I'm willing to give it to you. He said, I cannot deprive the world of what that violin has to offer. Let me ask you something. Have you taken your faith and hung it on the back wall in your home? Please do not deprive the world of the faith that changed your life. We are called to be a witness, to bring people into God's house so they can experience Christ just as you have experienced Christ. Let's be sacrificial. Let's be witnesses. Let's be willing to do all we can to win just one more person to Christ. Because the heart of the Father is to find his lost children. I promise you that. Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed, and we just take a moment to pray. I want to challenge you today. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in your car, watching on your phone, on the laptop, maybe in your living room. Maybe there's three or four of you huddled around the computer. That's great. During this prayer time, I would just want to ask, wherever you are, whatever campus or online right now, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, we're going to say it out loud together. You can pray with us and receive Christ. And he will literally come into your heart, into your life right now. Pray this simple prayer. You can just say this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. Please come in my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, right now, all of our campuses, if you just prayed that prayer, would you lift your hand high to the Lord? Just let them know. Just, would you, the only person looking right now is our campus pastor. Just lift your hand high. Thank you. We see those hands right now. Just lift your hand high at Rodfield right now. Just lift your hand high at Stone Oak right now, Rockport right now. Just lift your hand high. Maybe they're watching online. You can actually click, if you're on our platform on churchunlimited.com, you can click raised hand or put it in the chat. Just say, my hand's raised. Just let us know if you just pray the prayer. You're not alone. Praise God. We see hands going up all across our campuses right now. Thank you. We see those hands. Just lift your hand high if you just received Christ. Praise God. That's what we're here for. We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can. And by you saying that simple prayer of faith and believing it, God's word says that you are now saved. Your eternity is secure in heaven because you've received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Thank you for holding that hand high. Hold your hand high if you just receive Christ. Hold your hand high. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down now. Those of you that are here that are already Christ followers, is God blessing you? Are you being a conduit of that blessing or a blockage of what God has called you to do to make a difference? Not, not just with your resources, but with your mouth. Are you speaking openly about Christ? Are you inviting people to church? Are you giving towards the work of God, towards the mission to reach more people for Christ? We're planting churches around the world. When you give, you're not giving to Church Unlimited, you're giving through Church Unlimited. Are you being a conduit of his blessing? Or are you blocking? 
the way of God. I just want to challenge you. Let's be good disciples. Let's be sacrificial. Let's think about who we can reach and bring to church next week, how we can support the work of God at the same time. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your word. I pray, God, just as Jesus taught his disciples, that we be sent out today to be a witness, to bring people back to Jesus. Lord, that we would be sacrificial, that we would stay lean and, and make our life about making a difference and not just about ourselves. We don't want to be weighed down with stuff. We want to be lean, focused on your mission. Thank you, God, that we can make an impact today. To walk with Jesus is to bring others to Jesus. We thank you that we can do that. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.